yoga teachers, mindfulness leaders, and energy workers. Are you ready to stop side hustling and start making an income doing what you love? Welcome to the Marketing Off The Mat Podcast. Each week, your host, Jessica Cross, dives into conversations with successful creatives in wellness, business, marketing, and more to uncover practical methods to take your business from A to B and have some fun along the way. Grab some tea and pull up a seat. Let's dive into this episode. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Jess and this is Marketing Off The Mat. I am so excited to be sharing this incredible chat that I had with my friend, Laura Green. Laura is a full-time teacher in Southampton, UK. She's been running her business and offering yoga classes, retreats, 200-hour YTTs, and teacher mentorships for over a decade. She started teaching yoga for the love of it alongside her regular job, but soon her classes were doing well enough that she was able to quit her nine-to-five and become a full-time teacher. She is such a wealth of knowledge. She has so much to offer when it comes to what we'll call old-school marketing or essential marketing, and It comes from everything from flyers to Facebook groups. It's such a good chat. You're going to absolutely love her. Let's dive in. Hey, Laura, how are you? I'm really well. I'm really well. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. I'm thrilled that you're here too. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to be here with us and talk about all things old school marketing. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. My favorite topics, yoga, marketing, and old school ways of doing things. So cool. So cool. So, well, well, before we dive into that, we would love to hear a little bit more about you. We heard some in the intro, but I know that just barely scratches the surface. So tell us about your yoga journey and your career and how it brought you to where you are today. Wow. Um, I can't imagine a time in my life without yoga. Um, You know, I think when we're yoga teachers, we're still first and foremost as a student, aren't we, forever. Um, So I was lucky to start yoga when I was 16, so um, 22 years ago, and it's been a constant companion since. It's really shaped, (laughs) shaped my life, shaped my philosophies, my values, my relationships. Um, yeah, so I have practiced yoga for a, a very long time. I've been teaching now for um, 12 years, full time for 10. I always think I am retired. <laughs> retired because this isn't a job, even though I do it for hours upon hours. This isn't a job. This is a passion mm-hmm. and such a privilege um, to teach yoga. So yeah, I teach, I run trainings, um, I run mentorship. Um, and you know, I've just launched a book today. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes, yes, yes. All, all so wonderful. And so you mentioned there was a time period where, you know, you were practicing and then you began teaching and I know you kind of did the side hustle thing for a little bit. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I really, um, like most people, I had no intention to teach yoga. I um, was working full-time and and very full-time in recruitment. Uh, Worked initially for a UK um, wide big company and then set up a small boutique recruitment practice with two other people. And I I thought, you know, that's it, setting up a business. Business was doing really well. And we set up in the 2007 recession, but still was going really well. And I loved my job. I loved recruitment was about 
connecting with people, understanding people, understanding the world. I loved it, but I wasn't getting any time for anything outside of recruitment. And I'd lost my sort of sense of self. Um, you know, I mentioned I'm a musician. I wasn't playing. Um, I was just kind of grabbing at my yoga practice, but not really immersing myself in it. And I'd, I'd lost a bit of my sense of self. So I enrolled in a, um, yoga foundation course which I think for a lot of people was a precursor to a teacher training but I remember that first day saying oh no I'm not here to do a teacher training I'm just making yoga a bigger priority in my life you know, forcing myself to dive deeper and then that course came to an end and I thought now what and the only now what for furthering learning really was a teacher training. So I enrolled in the teacher training again, day one. No, I have no intention to teach. You know, I love my job. And then at the end, it was a year long course. I thought, if I don't set up one class, I'm going to lose the confidence. Mm. I'm going to lose the confidence. So I set up one class directly um, along the road from where my company was. And that would give me the Mondays. 5.55, I would leave work at a good time because it's like when, um, you know, I don't have kids, but when you see people who work part-time, they have to pick up the kids from nursery, I'm leaving. <laughs> and that was that for that one class. And one became two and two became four. And then I worked down my hours at work, built up the yoga. And then 12 years later, it's, it's everything. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. I, I, I can just so relate to so much of what you said. It's like you're searching for more and you're, you know that you're not at the time planning to teach, quote unquote, <laughs> but then you learn all of this stuff and it just becomes, you know, part of part of the fabric that is you and you want to continue. So good. And love of yoga. You, know, you, you have a personal love of yoga. But when you start to see how it changes other people's lives, that love just expands. I remember my first student at Whiteley, <laughs> still my student today. And I remember um, when he said, oh, I could stand on one leg easier this after a month to get my Wellington boots off. <laughs> I was like, oh yoga helps you too and then you know a few years later I remember because he's an older gentleman the first time he managed to hold crow pose and it was the same day he found out he was a granddad like these two things come together and just that love of yoga when you start to share it just was an explosion of wow this changes other people's lives too oh I love that it, yes it, it kind of it grows with you into all of these different seasons of life and that, I just love that story about your students <laughs> my heart <laughs> yeah it was so special but then the bit in my brain was like why are you at yoga when you just became a granddad today shouldn't you be somewhere else <laughs> he's, he's he's preparing he's preparing himself <laughs> so good so you're talking about you had you kept your one classes you're like this is this is how I'm going to continue building my confidence, building my skill in, in teaching. And then, you know, one eventually became four and then full time. So how did you do it? How, how did you market yourself into, into a full-time teaching career? Exactly what you just said, actually. And, you know, this is the very core of the method I often teach is one student, one class, 
at a time. And I think when people finish a yoga teacher training, we all struggle with our confidence and that, you know, that imposter syndrome that creeps up. And I see a lot of new teachers will finish training and they'll suddenly put four classes on a timetable or five classes on a timetable because somehow we feel like we're a better or proper, a real, that's the word, real yoga teacher because I teach four classes a week. Um, but then they, they spread themselves too thin. They don't have the time to build up each class, to focus on the marketing, to spreading the word. And suddenly they've got the whole hire of four different venues. Um, so it was exactly that. One student, Rob, <laughs> one student, Rob and his crow pose, you know, still there 12 years later. One student becomes two, two become four. One class becomes another, but it time patience and consistency and not rushing it so if that does mean someone has to have a side hustle for a couple of years whilst they build it up um for sustainability yeah mm. one student at a time yeah sustainability I think is just about everything when you're coming out of a yoga teacher training you're so on fire you want to take every opportunity and you want it to be big and many people are hoping that it can be their full-time gig at some point and they're they go really hard out the gate and then they burn out super super yeah. fast so and I love that confidence thing that they don't give it time for the student numbers to build up and then when a class has low numbers it's really easy for a teacher to take that as a personal reflection of them and their teaching I think it can trigger that um inner child in us that wanted to be popular at school, it triggers a lot. And then people stop teaching because they think they're very, not very good. But the truth is you didn't give the time to the marketing or maybe someone didn't teach you how to do the marketing and your class numbers are not a reflection on you, your personality, your teaching. They're a reflection on, do you know how to market? Do you know customer service? And do you give it time and consistency? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And, and it's this, you know, that we have these 200 hours that are, you know, really valuable. And it's also just the beginning. And we don't always have the opportunity to devote in teacher trainings a large amount of time to how to market yourselves. You know, I don't know about you, but in my 200 hour, it was you know, a couple of hours. It was, you know, very minimum. And, you know, that that's really, you know, no problem at the studio. It's just, it's, that is all the time that they have within that 200 hours. So it's like, do, do you have these like very fundamental skills available to you? And you may not, and that there's nothing wrong with that. It's and I think it's, um, that there's a lot of poor, general business advice that isn't applicable to the yoga industry. So when people aren't seeking their marketing support and advice from people that do the job, people that are also yoga teachers, they can go down the wrong route. Yeah. <laughs> they can go down the wrong route that thinking, you know, just show up on reels and your yoga classes will fill. <laughs> you know, we get easily distracted. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah, it's the specialization because yoga really is its own industry. It's you know, it's not fitness. It's not dance. It's not anything in between. It's it's yoga and how how you want to show up is what is going to bring in your clients. And if it's not reels, it's fine. Like it's it's there's so much more to it than in attracting your unique client, your unique niche. Yeah. 
So I know that's something you're really passionate about is these old school ways of marketing. And, you know, it's really I old school. I don't even know if that's the right term. It's like essential marketing, I think might be yeah. even better. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your methods and, you know, h- how you train teachers to market themselves. So the method ended up accidentally having a name, <laughs> um, which is serve and thrive. So there's two aspects to it. The serve and thrive, I'm have for as long as I can remember, like right back to kind of baby yogi me, been totally inspired by one key teaching in the Bhagavad Gita. Show up, do the work with no entitlement to the fruits of your labor. Okay? And do not wish to not work. I mean, it is a powerful teaching from the Bhagavad Gita. And I think it sunk right into me when I was in recruitment that I could work so hard to understand my client, to find the right candidate, but that candidate might fluff the interview. You know, I wasn't in control of that. So to do the work best you can with a non-attachment and no expectation to the fruits of your labor. So if one student turns up, do the best you can to teach that student, putting serving the, the, the Dharma first, and then the rest will follow and to trust that. So that kind of underpins it. But old school, I mean, I don't know how many of your followers are teaching in-person classes or are teaching Zoom. Do you know, on is, is it online or in-person? It's a good mix, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. good mix of both. Yeah. And COVID's been a challenging two years, but it's really opened the doors for what is possible and the different ways we can teach. And I do both. I have an online membership and online classes and courses but in person, and I'm certainly finding it is easier to and quicker to build classes in person than online. And when I say old school, go back to community building. So if you are marketing a class course offering that's online, that probably needs online marketing. <laughs> if you are marketing a course class workshop that's in your community, It needs in your community marketing, you know, and there's 2000 odd people in the yoga group I support, and I've got them all to go back to flyer dropping, you know, enough people have gone back to prove this works. And when people say to me, flyer dropping doesn't work, well, everybody loves to tell you every, everything doesn't work. It's normally the execution. So things like flyer dropping, you know, how clear is that flyer? How good is that flyer? And I make a real rule with everyone. I don't know if it's just UK based, only ever flyer drop on a Sunday Hmm. when no other male lands through someone's door. Because we all know what we do with flyers. We pick up all the junk mail and we take it to the bin. (laughs) <laughs> but when that one flyer drops on your doorstep on a Friday, on a Sunday, if the flyer is clear, the person that picks that up has to absorb the information on the way to the bin. Mm-hmm. So flyer dropping in the community is getting great results. And I think, okay, you can flyer drop one Sunday a month, or you can show up on social media every single day. Which do you prefer? If you love social media, great, do it. But if you're on social media because you think you should be, 
just try getting out into the community and flyer dropping. Um, posters, all, I mean, old school, simple, cheap posters. But is the poster well designed? Is it clear? Is there a, a call to action, you know, free first class? And one of the best techniques we use is a good old fashioned A board. If you're in a community center, if you're on a high street where you're allowed to, obviously always check permissions, but get an A board out there. Yoga class here today, free first class. You can put a little plastic wallet on the front of them with flyers, people to take away. So yeah, we've been going old school for quite a few years now and it's working. I love that. And just having that physical representation in this largely digital world that we live in now is almost, um, it's almost unique. Like it's, you don't really see things like yoga classes advertised quite as often in paper form or, you know, a board form as you do, you know, everything else. So it's like, that's such a nice, it's like an interruption almost. Yes. it's, it's an interruption, especially on a Sunday to receive something like that. And I would say here in the U S it would be very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's working really well online. What's also working well is Facebook groups. Mm. So going into the Facebook groups, but again, it's like when people say a flyer drop doesn't work, when people say a Facebook group doesn't work, it's normally down to the execution. And what I see um, a lot of people doing, and I don't know if this expression will translate, but I think it will, is they do what I call booty call marketing. So they, <laughs> they only go into the Facebook groups when they want to promote something. Here's my class come and everybody has an inbuilt sense of stranger danger so you go into a Facebook group people don't know who you are you're just promoting something they scroll past it but if that's your local community group and there's always a few and you can be in there interacting sharing videos of yoga with no call to action you know just giving 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 and then once a month short sweet free class come along. And I try to work really hard with my images in Facebook groups to pattern interrupt. So I won't put like a a class picture. Um, I put out one which was me with my fingers in front of my lips doing the kind of shush sign. And it just said, can you keep a secret? I hope not yoga classes resuming. You know, just really trying to think how you're using groups, find time and time again, it's the execution that makes a difference. The, the booty call marketing definitely did translate. So um, <laughs> I was taking a sip of my water for those who are listening and I almost spit it out. So <laughs> so good, but it's so true. It's like, you're just showing up when you want to sell something and people mm. can smell that from a mile away. So you've got to, you've got to show up and, you know, share your story or share whatever is going on with you that could be valuable to the folks that are in that group. Or somebody puts a question out there, you answer it. You try to be of service with, you know, we go back to, to the Gita without any expectation. And that's what magnetizes people to you versus the come to my class. Here's my thing. Pay me for this. Yes. And that is that difference that I think having come from recruitment (laughs) where it was sales and very clear of the difference between sales and marketing. And, and I think most people aren't if you haven't been in that kind of a world. And what you actually see a lot of yoga teachers fall into the trap of doing is sales. 
Whereas to me, marketing is relationship building. Build the relationship, give, connect, be a personality, let people in, let people get that sense of know, like, and trust of you before you ask for the sale. Come to my class. <laughs> Build the re- to me, marketing is relationship building. Selling is promoting your class. Mm, that's a very, very clear and easy to understand distinction. I so agree that we sometimes get those two muddled up and we go straight for the sale. And there's just this whole other world that needs to come before you asking people to give you money. <laughs> and really the other part of that is the energy exchange of time. So people coming to your class, is it, you know, we're busy. Is it worth your time? I don't know this person yet. Probably not. So that going back to that marketing is, is everything. And that relationship building is everything. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings me to one little bugbear of mine <laughs> on the no like, and trust is um, being people being visible enough. So even on um, posters and flyers, I ask you know, people I work with to put a photo with their face, <laughs> smiling with their eyes vis- visible. You know, a lot of time we're still seeing stock photography and a brand name. Mm-hmm. And then people don't know who, who that is. You know, if someone is using a brand name, then your own name's got to be over it. And then I'll find yoga teachers will come and follow me on Instagram and they're using a brand name. There's no picture of them. There's no, their name's nowhere. And I want to say message going, you know, hi, Jessica, thank you for the follow. But I don't know your name and I feel rude going, oh, hi. I can't even think of a brand name, Sunrise Yoga. <laughs> you know, I feel awkward and rude. And I think that'd be the same with students. They're not knowing your name, seeing your face, hearing your voice, understanding your values, getting to feel for you. Mm, yes, I so agree with that. It's I just I always tell my my clients as well, and you know, teachers that are in teacher trainings, like we want to see your face because that's what connects us as humans. The brand is beautiful, and yes, that should be a part of you, but also at the forefront, we need to know that you're real. We need to know that there's somebody behind that brand that's going to, to lead us. And and that's exactly what teachers do is, is leadership. So I love that. That's such great advice. Name and face. (laughs) Name and face. Yeah. So simple. And And so it's so easy to mess up. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple. And I know why people mess it up, especially the face thing. Um, and why we go to stock photography is because in the heart of every yoga teacher, we know that yoga is for everyone that it doesn't matter what size you are, it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter how bendy you are, the yoga is for everyone. Yet there's something, again, gets triggered in us when we're coming to the marketing of, oh, I can't put a photo of me out doing yoga because I don't look like the classic idea of a yogi. But then we have so many people that don't come to yoga because they don't think it's accessible because they don't look like the image. So we have to put our big girl pants on and just put the image out of us not feeling great, you know, not looking up just this is real yoga, more real representation, more people will come to yoga. Um, So I I get the self-consciousness. But again, it's our dharma. It's our duty to change the visual representation of yoga. 
Mm. Oh, you nailed it. It, it, There's, there's something just, you know, you see this beautiful back bendy photo on a beach. That's just so lovely. And you're like, oh, that's nice. But is that real all the time? Is that real life? Is is that you sitting at your desk after the fourth meeting in a row, almost in tears because you're so stressed out? No, you want to see somebody who like actually gets it. And, you know, of course, share your photos. If you do your photo shoots, I think that's great. But also we need to see you when you're not (laughs) at 100% best after your photo shoot and your makeup. Mm -hmm. Let's see you when it's, you know, those rougher days as all, all humans have. I so agree. And it is a balance of that, isn't it? It's, Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we show real. And I think it's also important that there are nice aspirational photos of yoga as well that tap into both the aspirational and the real Mm, yeah a good mix I so agree so good so we talked a little bit about marketing and another another thing that you're so passionate about is customer service which I just I love that so I want to hear a little bit more about what role does customer service play in running a yoga business yeah I think it's accidentally one of the best big missing links (laughs) in yoga you ask anyone in business across any business what is the hardest thing for a business to do the hardest thing is to attract new clients it's that it takes the most time and it costs the most money so when you have attracted a new client we want to keep that client and then from again a very business background when someone has invested money with you once they're more likely to invest money with you again So students come to a class, that student is most likely to be the person who'll book a workshop, who'll book a retreat, who'll book a training, you know, who will stay with you for the duration. So customer service is about building that relationship. And I think I've noticed it even more so than ever during the last two years with Zoom yoga, because I started going to more classes. Suddenly you could go worldwide. And it's amazing that we've automated things that, you know, yoga teachers, we've got our admin down a lot better in the last half of years. You know, I used to take cash even up until COVID, people were predominantly paying me in cash and drop in. Now I use a booking system. You can pay on Stripe, no payment, no booking. You know, I don't have to go to the bank anymore. So we've streamlined all of that, but it's lost some of the personal touch. So I notice if I book a class, a free class with a new teacher or a paid for class with a new teacher, I'm getting an automated email back going, thank you for your booking. Here's your Zoom link. And then I would go onto the Zoom and sometimes it'd only be one or two or 20, but very rarely did the teacher go, oh, hi, Laura, I don't think I've seen you on my Zoom before. Nice to see. There was no one-to-one and I don't like small talk either, but it's relationship building. So it's noticing greeting every single student by name, every time, whether it's on Zoom or in person, but especially the first class, free first class or or half price, whatever you do, but that that first class student, greeting them by name. And then what I say, especially with new students is I give them a welcome in the class, whether it's on Zoom or not, you have the conversation about injuries, show them around, introduce them to the person next to them. I imagine they've come to my house party. How would I treat you if you'd come to my house party? 
and we treat you the same. But then I say, before you rush off at the end of class, I'd love to check back in with you to see how you found today, because otherwise beginners can run away quickly. <laughs> so then that gives me the moment at the end of class to see how they found it. And then within 24 to 48 hours, I will send them a thank you message. And normally by whichever method they contacted me. So email, WhatsApp, Messenger, I'll try and go back on their preferred platform. Thank you so much for coming to see me. It was really lovely to share the practice of yoga with you. If you have any questions, just ask. And here is the link to book next week, <laughs> that invitation to book. And then if they come back that next week, hi, Jessica, lovely to see you again. Welcome. So important. And then if they're not there that week or the week after, or maybe they've gone away, give it a couple of weeks and another email. Um, thinking of you, Jessica, missed your class this week. Be lovely to see you again. This week we're doing neck and shoulders book here. You know, just that, um, that nurturing. I just don't see it happen. I don't think I got any thank you emails and any of the Zoom classes I went to. No, I don't think that I did either, now that I think of it. It's, um, you know, I think when we went from whatever the world was before into whatever the world is now, and in that early stage of, of COVID, you know, I know it was just this massive hustle to basically build online studios. I and mean, that's what yeah. we were doing at the time. And, you know, coming with it, all of our, you know, woes of tech and understanding and all of those things. And I think at the beginning, it's just like, how do I teach? How do I make a living when I can't see people in person? And I think there was a lot of that. And I think now we have sort of normalized in that way. If we're still teaching online, there's a, there's kind of a next level that you're, yeah. you're talking about that I think is so needed and is, is actually even though it does, like, as you're saying, small talk, it can be an energetic, you know, drain for some people. And I mean, raising my hand right now is for me too, but it's just those little extra touches that people remember and you reaching out even, you know, 48 hours later, or even weeks later with a check-in, very simple. And then we'd love to see you this week. Here's the link. People might be so busy. They're like, man, I really wish I could go to yoga. And it's just, you know, number five on their list with the four things before it are so important that you just putting that link in their inbox or their WhatsApp and they're like, oh yes. And they book right away. It's not that they didn't want to be there. It's just that they've been overwhelmed. So I just, I love all of that. It's so, it's so accomplishable for our folks yeah. that are listening. It's such, such great advice. And I think what, sometimes we just don't think to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when we do think to do it, I think the barrier that can sometimes come up is I feel like I'm being salesy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I feel like um, awkward. But as you said, often someone's just forgotten. And time and time again, people say, thank you for the reminder. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for making me come and carve that time out. I needed it. And most humans, we have the same needs. <laughs> when we go to a yoga class, we want to feel welcome, seen, safe, cared for. And those are the things that make the difference as to whether someone comes back next week, not how, you know, amazing your chaturanga was. You know, it's did that person feel met as a human, cared for and seen 
And I think it's not just with new students as well. I noticed um, with COVID, a lot of students did come online and a lot didn't. And I did this with my gym. I straight out canceled my membership. Like I'm teaching yoga online. I don't want to do your now one. I just don't want to do it. Okay. And then when it came back to being able to go, I felt guilty. I felt I felt guilty for not having supported the gym through that tough time. And then I, I didn't want to show my face. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I wonder if my students are feeling like that or just forgotten. So I sent, you know, group mailers saying yoga classes are back. Um, and they were doing okay. A few people were booking back in. And then I went and got all of my old class registered. And it took me a while, but sent a one-to-one email to every student. I can't even remember what I worded now, but, you know, hi, I hope you're well. I hope you've been okay for the last couple of years. I've really missed you. How's Charlie, your dog, or how's, you know, try to remember something personal. And when we build relationships, it's easy to remember things about our students because they come up, uh, we, we, we have that weekly check-in. So mm-hmm. trying to put something personal in and go, I'd love to see you. Here's the booking link. And that's what brought all of my students back. It wasn't the group mailers, which is just noise. It was the one-to-one personal emails. And so Mm. many teachers would say, oh, I've lost all my students. You haven't lost your students. They're just not coming at the moment. Invite them back. Yes, yes, they're still there. And everybody's routine is completely different than it was two years ago. It It just takes a little time and a little personal touch to invite them back in, just as you said. So good. And so, following up on it, my gym oh, did yeah. send me a personal email. My, afterwards, my gym sent me an email saying, you know, hi, Laura, I haven't seen you at the gym. You know, imagine it's hard in yoga as it is in the gym. And um, what's been going on for you? They even bothered to write, this isn't an automated message. I've written this to you. And I wrote this note back about, you know, why I hadn't and what, and then they didn't reply. Oh, oh. <laughs> this gym has taught us a lot on this, this on this chat. <laughs> I love it, no, but it's so good. And I, I can, I can relate. And I bet many of our students and teachers too, is we have, you know, different studios, maybe that we would practice at, then we would teach at, maybe we have felt those same feelings and had similar experiences that we can take into our own, our own toolkit as we're marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Okay. So so many good things. I want to know if you could go back in time and talk to Laura in the past, what would you ask her or what would you tell her rather that would save her maybe a sleepless night or a headache or two about your business? The same thing. (laughs) Do the work and then trust. It sounds a bit kooky, but I find when I do the work, so say for instance, um, I've got a retreat coming up and I decide I'm going to um, plan out a social media, Instagram stories series over a few weeks. I go into Canva, I do all the pretty artwork, I schedule it, I do the work. And then I'll get a random phone call or email even before like the scheduled marketing's gone out going oh me and my whole family would like to come to your retreat 
and then they take up all the places. There seems to be this odd world of if I, if I do the work, the universe comes back to me. If I sit on my bottom and do nothing and wait, the universe is like, no, nah, she's being lazy. I'm not going to help her. <laughs> it's this odd relationship of do the work, trust and surrender. Hmm. It doesn't come from where, you th- where I think it's going to come. They're often not connected. But if I show up for my dharma and I make at the core of it, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here to serve. Then it's like someone, someone, the universe, something's got my back. And even one of my favorite things is I remember names. And a lot of people say they're not very good at remembering names. I'm not very good at remembering names. I make it a point to remember names. So when everyone's in Shavasana, especially if I had newer, I I know my students' names now, I will take the register. So even if um, I've got the list of who's booked in, I'll still take the register normally in a diary, a paper diary, divide it by that many classes. And I'll go around when they're in Shavasana and write down the name of every person that's lying down because that prep process makes me remember the name. And if there's a gap, I know I have to find out that person's name. But whilst I do it, like if I was to write Jessica, thank you. Adrian, thank you. In my mind, just thank you, thank you, thank you. Serve, do the work, and then just trust. Just trust. Takes time, but trust. Mm, That's beautiful. Oh my gosh, I got chills a little bit because that's just such great advice. And, you know, I think we always want to know the how, how is this going to happen for me? How, 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 (laughs) and just surrendering with an open palm is, is everything. It allows the universe to do its work. We don't need to know the how, if we just show up and do the work. And, and that's an excellent, excellent tip about remembering students' names. That's, I'm going to borrow that. So thank you. Yeah, I I do. I really, really try hard on it. But yeah, just the the trust and surrender and serve. Um, and one random. Can I add one random other of course. thing? Of course. Um, I know I hear a lot of people talk about um finding your niche and then creating an avatar of your ideal student. I try really hard not to create avatars. I try really hard to think of a real human being for my avatar. Um, and you know, now I have a large student base, so I'm invariably creating offerings for that student base. So I just created a new 12-month course called Philosophy and Movement. It's for my students who want to read the Bhagavad Gita. They want to read Patanjali's sutras. It's like they want to go into that stuff. So when I'm writing the web page, when I'm creating the offer, when I'm writing the marketing, I, I have two students at least that I'm normally writing to. Um, and they always book. And then you always get that email backwards. Oh my God, I feel like you wrote this for me. Like I did. I actually <laughs> did. Um, real, real people, real relationships, real results, real conversations for a real business. Mm, that's so good. I, I, I think the, the heart of the avatar advice when building your niche is there, but it, there's something special about an actual human being written to. It seems 
to me, almost easier when you're trying to put this fake person together, all their details, but you're like, you know, no, Laura, like, I know that she, I know she's interested in this. She wants to dive deeper. This is the schedule she works. So let me make sure that my schedule aligns. Like, it's just a little bit more simplistic in my Mm -hmm. mind. And I think that's excellent advice. And you know, the language they'll speak in. Um, I see a lot of marketing from yoga teachers in not everyday language. One of the ones that makes me chuckle the most um, is any language around restorative yoga. Um, and I am a restorative, I teach, I teach, I train in restorative yoga, but everybody calls their thing like relax and restore. They always have the word restore in. I'm like That word is not in anybody's day-to-day language unless you're an IT geek and you're like, I'm going to restore a hard drive today. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, oh, I really need to restore. So when we think about real human beings, we can think about what language would they use? Like one of my best selling courses was a restorative yoga course. And we called it um, transformative rest. And I remember my marketing for that simply said, are you tired? Just nothing fluffier. What does everybody say every day? Oh, I'm so tired. Use your real people's language. And when we have avatars, we can get a bit too in our head. But how does that person speak? What do they say? Make notes of what your friends say. I mean, do they use the words like restore? Or do they say, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, I'm tired. I feel flat. I mean, what's, what, what do real people say? Mm-hmm. You're right. That's, that's such great advice. I've, I don't think that I've ever used the word restore <laughs> or rest. Someone said once in marketing restoration, I was like, that sounds like you're at the hardware store. <laughs> yeah. A house. Yeah. A house. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, just, just thinking about the actual language, the actual ways people describe what it is that they're lacking that they're needing and then how you're offering exactly suits those things it will actually serve what they're looking for which brings you know you neatly brought us back right to features and benefits Mm -hmm. you know what 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 does your student need help with and then how are you helping them versus most of the time we just see people talk about benefits this class includes surya namaskar um you know breaking down balances without people knowing what's that going to help them with Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. It's like there, there are so many, so many ways that you could break that down that would just open up people's minds to how yoga could really help them, like li- literally help them versus like all, you know, throwing in lovely Sanskrit terms and all the things that make our language seem sort of flowery, but yeah. it can be, it can just be so much more simple than that. You're going to yeah. accomplish this. You're going to feel this way. You're going to leave ready to take on your week or whatever it is. And you're like, yes, please sign me up for that. (laughs) Yeah, because we're always competing with everything else someone could be doing in every moment of their day. You know, they could be sitting watching Netflix and having a glass of wine. Okay, so what what is going to, what need is strong enough in them that they're going to turn Netflix off, put the wine down and get in the car and go to yoga? Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen to that. So true. So true. All right. So I know you have some amazing stuff out in the world aside from this new book that you just launched. So tell us about all of the cool things that you have out there and how we can work with you. 
Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so today launched um, Teaching Chair Yoga. Um, it is a yoga teacher's guide to how to set up, establish, plan, market, fill a chair yoga class. So it goes from everything from the business. It's got business in there, plus med oodles of medical um, material, plus the poses, plus lesson plans. Um, and again, that was me called to serve. I would like to see more accessible community chair yoga. Um, I know a lot of teachers feel they have to go and do a training on it. Like if you can teach yoga standing up, you can teach a sin in a chair. This book's going to hold your hand. So that's um, what currently excited about. Um, I do have a free guide people can have on 61 plus ways to attract new students. Um, yeah, and I do a, a mentorship free training every Friday. Um, best way is probably just to connect on Instagram, which is at Laura Green Yoga. Beautiful, beautiful. We'll be sure to include all the links in the show notes so people can find those easily and definitely go give her a follow. She's such a joy to follow. Thank you so much, Laura. This was great. I had such a blast talking to you. Thank you so, so very much for your time. It's been lovely to connect, lovely to share, and lovely to talk about the geeky business world of marketing. Yes, I love it too. Thanks again. Okay, wasn't that so incredible? I just love Laura and I could listen to her incredible voice all day long. She's so great. So she mentioned a few of her links. The best place for you to connect with Laura is definitely going to be over on Instagram at Laura Green Yoga. You can also check out her Facebook group, which is Yoga Teacher Collaborative. You can look that up through Facebook groups. And then also she just launched her brand new book, Teaching Chair Yoga. Check out the show notes for links. And I hope that you enjoyed this chat as much as I did. I learned so much about going back to the essentials of marketing and really diving into customer service, even in this digital age. So I hope that you did too. I'll catch you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Off the Mat podcast and give yourself some gratitude for taking action in your wellness business journey. Please share this episode with someone you know who could use a fresh dose of inspiration. And we'd be thrilled if you would rate, review, and subscribe to Marketing Off The Mat on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to share an idea with Jessica? DM her at jessicacross.co on Instagram to continue the conversation or find out how she can help you take the next right step in your business. Until next time, stay inspired and keep showing up.